Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Um, so this is my contribution to uh, Impossible, but also Make Room for a Miracle, that sort of transition. So um, I've had a frog in my throat all week, so... Um, that means it's going to be good. <laughs> so John tells us in John 1.14 that our wonderful Lord Jesus came full of grace and truth. And today I want us to go on a journey of discovering, thinking about that Christ-like aspect of being full of grace. Can I be more full of grace than I am now? And what difference would it make if, if I am? Um, So, uh, my title is Finding a New Level of Grace in Difficult Seasons. So, thinking about seasons, life has different seasons. Some we choose, like starting a family. Some we adjust to, like retirement or children leaving home. And then some we don't want and we don't choose. And that's what I want us to think about um, today, those ones. So, for instance, a big deterioration in your health or someone close to you, a big reduction in your wealth, like you're suddenly unemployed, different desires to somebody you live with, for instance, you want children, your other half doesn't, you want to move, your other half doesn't. Those sort of seasons of conflict that mean somebody's sad. So seasons are a gift from God. They started, well, they were... We find out about them after the flood. Noah gave an offering to the Lord. The Lord saw his offering. He was pleased. And he said in Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So we're just going to do a little fun game of hands up for your favorite season. So obviously we've got spring with all the new growth and the bulbs and everything. Summer with hopefully longer days, warmer days, uh, holidays. Autumn with the leaves changing colour and winter with bonfire night, uh, Christmas. Uh, close your curtains, get snug and warm, get in your dressing gown at 8 o'clock, read a book, watch a film. So you've all got favourites and you're allowed to vote for up to two. Is that okay? And I want most people to put their hands up, Okay. So hands up if spring is your favourite season. Very good smattering of hands. Summer. Yes, okay, good. Autumn. Yes, good. And winter. Yeah, substantial number of winters, actually. Yeah, great. Spring was the winner there, with summer second, autumn third, and winter last. So winter isn't necessarily seen as a great one. Um, The plants love winter because it gives them some rest and it can kill off all the insects so that when the warmth and the light comes of spring, they're fully nourished and they're fully ready to just go woo and flourish. And um, our winter or night in our lives, our difficult seasons, might actually be a season where we could build some quiet trust on which the Lord could build faith for our future. Could that be true? So we're not usually keen on difficult seasons, um, but the Lord says that seasons are a part of life and things will come into our lives that maybe aren't so pleasant, but that it doesn't last forever. There's only eternity that lasts forever. Um, 
So a, a difficult season could serve as a test, and we learned from Josh that good will come out of anything we yield to him. So if you find yourself in a challenging season, the one that we love is an instant miracle, please. A miracle within three days would be fantastic. Here's my difficult situation, Jack style. Three days later, we get a miracle. Great, we can give a testimony, we love those. Another thing that if it drags on into weeks or months, your difficult season, the Lord will put in place people around you to support you. And you can see this happening. And you might hear something from a message in church. You might encounter him in a worship time. There'll be lots and lots of provision that the Lord puts in place and your heart can then be full of thankfulness. Two great things that can come from a difficult season. One, we can see a miracle, get a testimony out of it. Or we can see lots of provision and our hearts can be full of thankfulness. The difficulty comes when this difficult season drags on weeks, months, maybe into a year, and you're really struggling. Uh, you cry out to the Lord for some help. And we're in good company because Paul cried out three times for the Lord to take away his thorn in the flesh. And the Lord, very kindly, so you know that I love the Lord, but if this was me, I might not have been dead chuffed with the answer. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> not, not really sort of the answer that I prefer the other two myself. So somehow when you feel you haven't the personal resource for the season, apparently Jesus' grace empowers us, and then we can be transformed from one degree of glory to another, it's actually growth that happens. So the other two, we might grow a little bit, but this is big style growth. This is transforming power. It's a miracle that's not quite so instant, not so easy to see, but is an actual, it's bigger. It's a whole transformation of me on the inside. So it is actually splendid. So when you're in these difficult seasons, you've got, I thought of four choices. You might be able to think of more. We could do a pride response that says, I am good enough for this season, and you either hide or deny your weaknesses. The enemy will chip in with a few little good ideas, he thinks they're good anyway, to prevent the transformation. You could uh, distract yourself with lots of short breaks or have fun trips. You could go on lots of shopping sprees. You could numb the pain with some alcohol or endless screens. The enemy will be very happy to chip in with some little suggestions to stop the transformation. Your body will do a stress response to threat or fear, which is the fight, flight, freeze thing. Now, that is... That's also a God-given thing in your body. And fighting's good as a Christian, but what we need to make sure is we're not fighting flesh and blood. That's the person in front of us. But our fight is the heavenly realms. So fight's fine, but let's fight the right thing. Uh, the freeze thing, stay in bed, not very effective. Uh, and the runaway thing, no, again, not great. The really good one is to turn to the Lord or to draw from the Lord and ask him for more grace. And a difficult season will always force you to do one or other of these options. Um, you won't be able to stay neutral because it's a very difficult season. So when I find myself in a difficult season, someone asked me, where's the grace? And for me, this was a nonsense question. I had no connection 
to as an answer. And who knows, where there's a disconnection, it's the Lord saying, oh, Adele, I need you to think about this. So it prompted a bit of study. Um, and this is what I'm sharing with you today. So, grace. We know the Lord is gracious. Psalm 145, verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Romans 5, 2 says, Through him we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. I'm using the Amplified because I thought it was fabulous. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. It's, it's very wordy, but basically we know that grace leads us to being able to stand and we have hope and we have confidence assurance that we'll see God's glory, his power at work. I want this grace. This grace is fabulous. This grace is key, isn't it? To everything that we want in our difficult season. And then with Paul and his thorn in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, this is he, Jesus, saying to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. We know that grace is empowering. So when I was first a Christian, I was 21, I wrote, learnt that grace means it's empowering and that it's unmerited favour of God. And so I learnt that, but it just stayed in my head. Um, and this was my disconnect. So this is what I was trying to study. So the dictionary definition of gracious is courteous, kind, pleasant, especially to someone of lower social status, warm, benevolent. And then it also said, in Christian context, compassionate, forgiving, forbearing. And grace, dictionary definition, smoothness and elegance of movement, an extended period to pay. Grace before a meal, you know, you say grace, and then your grace, like your grace, to nobility. And then it also said, in Christian belief, grace is free and unmerited favor of God, giving everything to those who deserve nothing. So suddenly I understood my disconnect because I was very familiar with grace being graceful movements, this first definition of grace, the smoothness and elegance of, muse, of movement. Because in all my childhood, all the way up to me becoming a Christian at 21, I loved watching graceful movements. I did ballet when I was a little child. I did ballroom dancing when I was an older child. I had a stint in my teenage years of traveling from Burnley to Bradford to go ice skating. And then I did contemporary dance as an adult. So I loved, I would be mesmerized watching the Winter Olympics and uh, watching these leaps um, like this dancer, you know, going around three times, a triple axel, and landing and putting your back leg out. And I'm on a blade of metal on ice. I mean, that wow, that's like wow, wow, wow. 
I would be mesmerized watching that sort of thing. Uh, or a ballet. So any smooth movements, I love to watch the flow of it. That gives me great pleasure. Um, I've got a tiny bit of Torville and Dean now, just to thrill you. It's very short, it's only 30 seconds. Can I cue the Torville and Dean? <laughs> That's 1984. Uh, Torval and Dean were obviously world champions, absolutely superb ice skaters. And I, I love watching that sort of thing, the flow of the movement. Now, I know that that takes a huge amount of strength. They look light, don't they? They both look like they're made of fluff. Um, and they just glide along effortlessly. But it takes strength, it takes precision. If you're going to go up and spin, You've got to get the timing absolutely right. You've got to get your height absolutely right. Incredibly difficult things. And it struck me that grace is all about strength and precision and timing. And I began to think, ah, grace of God could also be strength, his power, and precision of movement and timing. <laughs> and so I started to think about marrying up the grace of God, the unmerited favor, my rote learning of what I knew grace was, but actually with my knowledge of uh, grace as in being a movement. And I was hoping to try and share or try and capture that for you today. He is gracious. He is pouring out grace all the time. And his grace is smooth. It is flowing, it is precise, and there is an exact timing with it. So, how can I stay? A better question, I decided. How can I stay in the flow of his grace? And do I do anything that takes me out of his, this flow of his grace? So, hopefully, going to answer that question for you. Um, how can I have more grace poured into me so that I can be like Jesus, full of grace. Right, so in Ephesians 6.24, it says, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible or with an undying love. So we know that grace is with all that love our Lord Jesus with this love. So if we love God when he does things for us that we want him to do only... And then when he asks us to do something like forgive so-and-so or give this up or go and be kind to so-and-so, we think, well, no, don't want to do that. Or if he doesn't do something that we want him to do and we think, okay, we're falling out, that's it. <laughs> if we only love when we get what we want, we're a spoiled brat <laughs> and we're not going to grow. 
So part of growth and maturity is loving God whenever and just making that be undying, incorruptible. It's always love. I love the Lord Jesus. I love the Lord Jesus. I love the Lord Jesus. So is there any bit of me that's cross with the Lord? This is taking too long. Or this is my favorite. You should never have allowed this. Both bad. So when you go away and you say, oh, Adele said today, I can say to the Lord, you should never have allowed this. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's bad. (laughs) What I'm saying is, am I fully satisfied with all you are and all you do for me? And I have to be. I have to reach that place where I'm fully satisfied with him and all that he does for me, good or bad, things I like, things I don't like, to get that incorruptible or undying love and get grace pouring into me. The other one, Psalm 119, verse 132, turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Now, I was going to say that um, I have learned to use the name of the Lord when I'm struggling to sleep, because I know he's good and I know he's powerful and I know he sees and he cares and I can ask him when I'm struggling to sleep because my mind is I can pray in the name of Jesus for sleep and it actually it's effective and then Colin in prayer just earlier was sharing a similar testimony about that very same thing and I'm thinking oh it's not just me so any of you it could apply you can get better sleep by using the name of Jesus' authority over your sleep with that. It's got to be faith-based. It's not a magic word, obviously. But, um, and then what's your response then? Oh, Lord, thank you. I love you. You help me get back to sleep. It's a love response. So we've got to love his name. And not just the name of Jesus, but any of his names, the provision, Jehovah Jireh, um, all the great facets of the Lord. Similar, 2 Peter 1, 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. When we go through difficult situations and we find out, we learn more of God, we get to know him as faithful or kind or loving or our provider. We, we get to know that aspect and then grace and peace is ours in abundance as we know these aspects more. So as we get to know him one by one with all these aspects, apparently grace and peace is ours in abundance then. So uh, crying out for grace, another effective one, Isaiah thirty nineteen says, people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. So crying for help is another effective tool. The Lord hears and he answers. Not shouting at the Lord. This is crying out from humility. I need your help. He loves that. He hears it. He answers It's worth a little check. Is there anything that stops the flow of God's grace to me? So pride. So we know that God God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So pride might be getting in the way. Um, Fear. We know from Wayne that fear is the opposite to faith. 
Grace comes by faith. So therefore, we need to just double check. Is there any fear that's stopping the flow of God's grace? Running for cover elsewhere, the Lord has to be our refuge. He's the only effective refuge. Nothing else is effective. Do I run for cover elsewhere when I'm in my difficult situation? Impatience, this is the timing one. So we can trust the Lord's timing. And we must wait. Those that wait for the Lord patiently are the winners. So an unforgiveness, we know that the Lord is slow to anger. Gracious means forgiving and forbearing. So if we're holding on to unforgiveness, we can be sure that we're going to move out of the grace of God. We're not going to be in the flow of God's grace while we're in unforgiveness. And then finally draw near to the throne of grace so hebrews 4:16 says let us then approach god's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need now i i find visualization very helpful i find it really helpful to visualize going into the throne room approaching the throne of grace with confidence put myself into a position of confidence in my mind's eye going into the throne of grace and i can visualize receiving mercy and finding grace to help me in my time of need so another thing that might be helpful is um, worship with song. I particularly find worship with song helpful, unsurprisingly. Um, and so if there are any of the songs that we do in church, you could uh, write the name down, put it up on, at home, and, uh, and just let it, uh, let it fill you, um, drawing near to the throne of grace to find that grace and mercy. So in summary, um, what I'd like you to remember, not Adele likes ice skating. Please don't remember that. <laughs> you can do, but it's not really what I want you to remember. Um, what I'd like you to remember is that seasons don't last forever. The Lord has made it that seasons come to an end. There's only eternity that lasts forever. But difficult seasons are an opportunity for transformation into Christ-likeness. Um, God's grace is always being poured out, always. This steady stream from his throne room, always pouring out grace. He is gracious. He just keeps pouring out grace. There's always more available. And how can I get into the flow of his grace? Is there anything I can do? So that was loving him unconditionally, loving his name knowing him, crying out for grace, checking, is there anything that stops the flow of God's grace, and then drawing near to that throne of grace. So can I pray for you all? Father, we humble ourselves before you. And we say in our own strength, we don't have enough strength for the fullness of life and godliness that you call us to. But with you, there is a smooth flow of everything we need. We look to you for an outpouring of your grace so we can keep standing in our difficult seasons 
and then thrive and grow in the glorious season that follows. Amen.